0: Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 228, and I'm your host, Nick Ortego. This episode, a new report claims that the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. We'll take a closer look. At the details. Stay with us. Last Dismiss is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. Today, our guest gives us some guidance on how to talk to kids about 9-11, especially how to navigate that conversation with the little ones. Hello everybody, Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by a friend, Chief Academic Officer, as well as co-host of the Class Dismiss podcast, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing today?
1: I am a little a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's okay. This is the time of year, especially considering that you all started early. Like this is Absolutely. what used to be October, right? Like, I mean, Correct. it's, and we would always talk about how things kind of wear people down by October. I would say we could probably just move that up a month.
1: Listen, we're about three weeks out from ending term one. So many things need to be done in the next two weeks. Um, football season is here for my school district, for my son, for my husband, I'm just, you know, all over the place, but I'm excited. <laughs>
0: well, good. I, I wish the best of luck for your, your uh, husband and your son uh, with their football programs this year. Um, I mean, you've got one at college now, or I know you already had others in college, but yes. you have moved from the high school ranks to the college ranks with football. So uh, things are stepping up.
1: They are. They are. We're pretty excited about our local football team in our, high school, in our school district as well. They've already got one win under their belt. So, you know, it's just a lot of excitement in the air.
0: Good. Okay, so you guys already had a game. That's good. Good to hear. We've had a game, but from my
1: curriculum department, it's just so many things going on with this term coming to an end. State test scores have been... um released to the media, not accountability ratings. That's still under embargo. So we're processing that information and adjusting our goals for this year. That's just a lot happening.
0: Well, you said the uh, magic words, and that's test scores. That actually was a headline I woke up to this morning. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not yet, but it's in the New York Times as well as many other publications. And the headline says, the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. And this is based off of the uh, National Assessment of Education Progress, and they were mainly focused on nine-year-olds and how they performed in math and reading. So, I, I can go into the details just or I can get your- Just with the
1: title of that, I want you to go into details, but before you do, just with the title of that, that catches me a little bit off guard. The state of Mississippi in particular has made you know, multiple gains as far as the NAEP assessment is concerned. Um, And then we've just released some of our state results. We know that there might be um, a little bit of inflated growth, but we know that there should also be some increases in proficiency across the board um, within our state simply because we've ramped up our efforts. We implemented so many different strategies to try to reach our children at home and at school. And it just strikes me as odd to say that we've erased two decades worth of, of learning when, I just have to throw this out there, Common Core standards haven't even been out for two decades.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that you all feel like you've had progress because that would not jive with what this says. And we'll go into some of the numbers here. It says the tests were given to a national sample of 14,800. So that's a pretty big sample of nine. It is. Um, and it says they compared that with the results of tests taken by the same age group in early 2020, just before the pandemic took hold on the United States. And so it goes into it saying that um, the declines spanned almost all races and income levels and were markedly worse for the lowest performing students, while top performers in the 90th percentile showed a modest drop, three points in math, students in the bottom 10th percentile dropped by 12 points in math, four times the impact as those higher percentiles. So I guess I have my own opinion about hearing that bit of data, but I want to hear... I think
1: they're dramatizing this. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I know we've had some learning loss. That's one of the biggest buzzwords right now. But I just don't want it. It's coming across like doom and gloom for me. And I think that's what bothers me. Um, And I want to say that no matter what the conditions were during the pandemic, teachers and principals and children did their absolute best. We never stopped teaching at high levels. And so I I just I disagree. I feel like the headline is slightly misleading. Those are minor gains in my opinion, but you know I'm not an expert. All
0: right. So when I hear the whole thing about like those in the 90th percentile showed a modest drop and and then in the tenth percentile but You said
1: three percent.
0: Yeah the 90th percentile apparently dropped three points in math, which I think that's considered modest. But then Students in the bottom 10th percentile dropped by 12 points in math. So, I guess what I hear, and I'm making assumptions that, and I don't have the expertise that you have, but I'm almost thinking all right, well, those kids that maybe struggled in the classroom before the pandemic then had to go home, maybe didn't have the parental support to do remote learning. So, then so
1: I agree that they, there were challenges for those types of students, including rural students. because you have to think about the access to technology and um, the Internet. Um, also, the ability to support students while learning at home. But we also need to consider the number of students that were withdrawn from public and private schools um, and placed into homeschool settings.
0: Right. So, but you feel like, all right, I'll I'll get to my questions for you that I specifically have. One, does this track for you? And I guess you're saying, no, it it doesn't really, you don't feel like you've had this No, I
1: think it makes it sound worse than what it really is. And I believe in our teachers and I believe in the effort they put through during the pandemic. And so I just, for me personally, without having all of the data in front of me, I just can't stand by
0: that. And as somebody with your expertise, assuming this is the case. Could it quickly be fixed? I mean, do you feel like learning loss can, you know, it's like these kids will catch up in, in the coming years or do you feel like it's, it's sometimes a struggle?
1: Well, it is a struggle. Every, it's a struggle without the pandemic, but I have to ask this question. The set of data that they shared, what was the final year on the last assessment as far as that data window is concerned?
0: So if, if
1: because if they're looking at 2020 or 2021, then we need to consider the data that sh- they should be looking at for 22. I wanna say that students and teachers rebounded.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. So so the actual new numbers where they dropped, was it 21 or 22? Hang Correct. on, let me see.
1: While you're checking, let me just say this. If the data is from just per se 2021, that was at the height of our struggle in the classroom and in schools all across America. If the data is from 2022, then that's enlightening for me. And I'd have to say that is something to consider. I will share this briefing with you. Our State Department of Education did release um, just a little bit of information recently that shared while we saw just a few drops, particularly um, in, in, in math and I don't quote me, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, we did see some consistency and some returning um, percentages of growth for students. So I think we're on the up end. And I think if we stay consistent and we don't have any more school shutdowns, I think that we will be okay. But just to say that we've lost 20 years of instruction, I think that's a bit steep.
0: To answer your question, it says on an education week, the results released today from the National Assessment of education progress, long term trend test, paint a stark picture of nine year olds achievement in 2022. So I'm hmm. guessing this is something that would have been done in the late, spring. Yeah. And late in the end of the school year last year. So, uh, yeah, that
1: is pretty profound information then.
0: Yeah. I mean, anyways, I had to throw it out there. I had to get your thoughts. I hope it's not as bad as it sounds. It's in ed week. It's in New York times. It's in chalk beat. Like it's everywhere. These scores. Um, it's good to hear that, you know, you on the ground are saying like, well, we feel like we're doing pretty well over here. So I like to hear that. However, we should point out that Mississippi went back to school a lot sooner than much of In the country, the north. and Absolutely. we don't know exactly where the sample i mean i it's probably just scattered all over the country and the north the northwest like i mean they could have been a lot of people pulling those numbers down because they were out for a considerable amount of time so i'll throw that out there
1: well i know that my response is not tied to any type of research or you know any type of validity but as an optimistic educator I feel that we are on the rebound. I feel that our teachers gave their absolute best. Our children were, we were in school when many, lots of parts of the country um, were not in school for the entire, you know, school year. And I just feel that our results are going to show the progress that we're continuing to make in the state of Mississippi.
0: I love your optimism. We'll, we'll end it there. Are you ready for today's bright idea? You might as well bring it on. Each year, not long after the start of the school year, an important topic comes up, September 11th. For some teachers, it can be difficult to figure out how to discuss that with students, being such a tragic day in American history. To give us some guidance on that, we've invited Jan Helson on the show. Jan is the co-founder and board chair of Global Game Changers, a 501c3 organization that provides social-emotional learning, character, and leadership development programs. Jan, welcome to Class Dismissed.
2: Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Yeah, it's very good to have you here. And we're glad you're going to be able to give us some guidance here because, you know, September 11th, 2001, those of us that were maybe teenagers or adults, young adults, have clear memories of that day. And we might be able to navigate this conversation a little easier than maybe some of our younger counterparts. So like if you're in the classroom and let's say you're anywhere between age 22 and 31, you probably don't have clear memories of those events. And there's a good chance a big part of the teaching population is in that age group. Um, so where do we even start if you're that age and you, you, don't even have, can't even recall September 11th at all.
2: Great question. So from, from a teacher's perspective, um, if they didn't live through it, um, or if they were very young, um, they, they lived and grew up with members of their family and their community who, who were aware of it. So I think that, and, and considering the aftermath and the years that went on, um, where there was references to it, teachers were, um, exposed to it even as children, even if they were not alive or directly, you know, um, aware of it during their early years. So I think that there is a natural connection and understanding of the importance of it and its relation to history and its relation to, um, remembering it every year for children. That's a totally different, you know, ballgame for young children is that it isn't, it's, it's, it's history to them as much as, you know, um, world war one or world war two or, or any other significant, um, Event in history, Martin Luther King, you know, there are so many different days and, and events that they hear about, but for them, it, it's a different perspective. So you have to treat it as if it is a historical event, which it is. And for them, it's a history lesson, and how you learn from that.
0: For me, I guess the closest thing I can think of is, as you're describing, is like Pearl Harbor, right? Like it was a day that lived in infamy. The whole entire country and the world, you know, clearly thought that you know we would remember that forever and we still do you know talk about it every time that day comes up but i feel like 911 is is kind of that same day for our children let's kind of compartmentalize this a little bit let's just say we're we're dealing with younger children you know age 7 to i don't know about 10 or so like how would you even broach the conversation and and how graphic or honest do you get about things
2: so for for Global Game Changers and the, the 9-11 lesson that we developed, because we work in the elementary school space, that is where our programs um, for Global Game Changers and SEL are. So we're, we're working with children who are kindergarten through fifth grade. So it is a very sensitive approach to it that you have to take. And, you know, it is really important to make sure that and even within that elementary level, you know, your kindergarten first, second have a different capacity um, to perceive and understand what you're saying um, differently than what your third, fourth, and fifth graders, your older elementary school children will have a different, you know, ability to process and critically think through the process a little bit. So, so it's even divided, even between elementary and through those ages. But, you know, we talk about how it's really important to like when you understanding your age group to know your vocabulary. So, you know, when you're dealing with young children, you will explain it in terms of, you know, rather than maybe re- using terms like radical Islam or weapons of mass destruction or even terrorism um, to bring it down to a level of let, you know, there was something um, hurtful that happened, something bad that hurt a lot of people. Um, there are, you talk about that there were a lot of helpers, those that came to the rescue. Um, so it's it's important to really understand um, that language. And when you're talking about planes flying into buildings, that you do it in a way that is um, also to reassure them that, that that is not something, you know, it's hard for them to process the difference between being afraid, well, can that happen to me? Which is mm-hmm. a natural response, I think, for all of us, but especially for children and being able to process that that as the fact that it did happen, but it doesn't happen every day, thank you know, goodness. And that there are things that we learn from it and things that we learn to be better hopefully um, in in response to that. So it's 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 important to we, I mean we believe it's important to be honest and knowledgeable but to choose your words just like anything, when you're talking about any subject that's sensitive with a child versus uh, even a middle school or a high school student or an older individual.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's another thing that my mind that really separates it from Pearl Harbor in a lot of ways is that it was so much of the civilian population, like you said, it, it could happen to any of us. And I think that is what scared us back in 2001 and for several years beyond Um it, and so I, I just wonder, like, if you're dealing with kindergarten, first, second grade, do you even go into the details of planes flying in the buildings?
2: We do. Um, we, I mean, because it's really difficult to to broach that subject. I think that if you're not going to broach it with the true occurrences of the event, but in a sensitive and kid Friendly manner, then then maybe you're better not. Then maybe they're not old enough to have that conversation with. Something bad happened. It's something you'll learn about when you're older. You know, you you can. You know, many parents and teachers will broach certain conversations that way. Um, However, we do have kindergarten students and first grade and second grade students who we who we do and our teachers do have those conversations. And we have for, for us personally, because again, it's that space with global game changers that we're in as elementary, we have an animated video of, of young children learning about it and doing a, um, a vlog, um, about the events of that to help another child understand what happened. So it's kind of told through the lens of children telling other children, older children, telling younger children, um, but we do think it's important to be honest if you're going to tell it, because it's it's important for them to not have um, inappropriate or wrong conceptions of what happened. Um, by the same token, an important part of that lesson is to also talk about the resilience. And the though it was a terrible event that happened in our history, they, it's also important to focus then on all of the amazing people who... Rose in service and the first responders and the many years after the military people who fought for our freedom and all these people that stood by in our entire country. I mean, everybody was affected and people came from every state all over to go to New York or to D.C. or to Pennsylvania um, to help those, you know, to help and to pitch in. And so I think that. And we survived and we um, we lost people and it was really sad. But I think that helping children understand that you can survive something bad happening and that they are that it builds resilience that we all need to have and that kids have to build that core so that they are strong, you know, as they grow, go through life and can handle the things that come along that are not also good, hopefully not as bad as 9-11, but we all know that there are good things and bad things in the world. And we all have to learn to manage those and process them. And this is another one of those lessons.
0: I, you mentioned this, and I, I want to drill down a little bit. You know, Again, your um, organization is Global Game Changers. The website is globalgamechangers.org. If you um, go to that page, and then you'll see at the top special programs. And then one of the lessons on that dropdown is actually the nine eleven lesson. How long have you guys had that up and available? Is this the first so, year or has it been a couple years?
2: No, this is actually our third year. Um, So we received a grant um, through um, AmeriCorps, um, and they sponsor um, educational programs and service-related programs for nonprofits that um, are all about the Day of Service and Remembrance, which is the 9-11 Day of Service and Remembrance, to make sure that people do not forget. And we felt very drawn to applying for this grant through AmeriCorps because resilience and building core competencies in children to help them process things that happen in the world that are difficult is an important part of what our core global game changers curriculum does. And we want children to be able to rise and be resilient and have leadership skills and confidences and and, um, feel good about themselves and the world, but also know how to process and handle things that are not always so good. And that's, that's an important lesson that kids have to learn early or they have a, they have difficulty as they get older um, with anxiety and different other types of mental health issues. And so the better that we can help them have a stronger beginning, the better off we believe that they can process and be you know successful throughout their lives.
0: It's a great resource. Do you, do you all see like a spike in traffic as September kind of comes around um, having had it up for a few years?
2: significantly. So um our first year we had over um so the the lesson our 911 lessons as you said you, you can navigate to it through the Global Game Changers website. But we also you can also go straight to nine eleven lesson dot org. And um that site gets our first year we had over a hundred thousand visitors oh, wow. um to that. And those were mostly teachers and parents. Um, so, you know, teachers were tenfold reaching 10 or 20. It happened to be during the pandemic, obviously, two years ago, but they were doing our lessons online as part of their um, nine as part of their online lesson, school lessons for 9 And last year, again, we had an excess of that one hundred and thirty five some thousand. And so it's grown exponentially. And especially for the space that we're in, you um, It has been a resource for teachers for elementary school who really want to to make children aware, but at an age appropriate way. And -hmm. and a lot of the younger resources are just not as prevalent, although there are some and there's some great ones. The museum and the memorial in New York has some great resources, Um, but there are but ours are very kid friendly because that's especially using the animation and the characters that we use in our curriculum. So they're built around that. So they give them not something just an academic lesson, but it gives them service projects so that they can learn to give back to other people in the way that so many rose in service to do well for our country and, and each other at that time. So we're teaching service at the same time, which is a core part of how we build social emotional learning competencies is using, is using service learning.
0: You hit the nail on the head, I think. I mean, I think most of us could probably feel figure out how to navigate the conversation with a high schooler, but, but with these elementary school kids, it's difficult. And just looking at what you guys have set up here, it does look amazing. Um, the, uh, question I would ask though, is, you know, I kind of started talking about how a lot of us have our own memories of nine 11, not all, but many of us should we, you know, bring those memories up in the classroom during the discussion.
2: Definitely. So we have, um, in fact, on on our um, website again, we have an, a teacher who happened to go to, he's an amazing teacher. His name is Brandon's Graves. He's with the public school system. Um, we're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, so he's with the Jefferson County Public School System. But he is truly just a phenomenal teacher. And he has... Um, was at his in his freshman year at Howard University in Washington D.C. on September 11th 2001. And so he talks to his children and he ta- we have a video from him on the site that tells why it is important to share those those stories whether you were there in some way or whether you I mean again everyone was affected that was of a certain age. And so that it it makes it real but it also demonstrates the other side of what we we talk about and that's resilience. Brandon is alive. He is He is informed. He had worked to give back and help people that needed help during that time. Um, it was a terrible thing that happened. We want to make sure that we don't repeat the mistakes of history, but instead hopefully learn from the mistakes of history um, and those events that happened that are beyond our control or in our control. But but I think that hearing a real story almost in any context of what you're teaching makes it so relatable because we're trying to teach kids, whether it's 9-11 or anything else we're teaching in the schools that teachers are teaching in the schools, is that you know how, the connection of what you learn now, why it's important to your future life, right? So, you know, a lot of children have a hard time understanding the connection between just for example, math, like what do I need to know this math for? What is this going to do for me later? So it's really important to make the connection between what they learn now and what they'll see later in need in their lives. And telling those stories of your own experiences demonstrates of something that happened earlier and how he's using it now in the classroom to help them understand what happened.
0: I don't know if you'll have an answer for this or not, but do you think the lessons hit differently for, say, maybe somebody who's in Kentucky or or Texas or Florida, as opposed to somebody who lives in Northern Virginia and their dad reports to the Pentagon on a daily basis where they live in New York City and, you know, they, they understand that skyline over there or Pennsylvania and so forth. I mean, is there anything that needs to be modified geographically speaking?
2: So in my opinion, no, I I think there are definitely, I, I don't mean to say that there are not obviously individuals who were much more impacted in their lives in that day and in that moment. But I feel like it was really a moment of And part of that is you talk about Pearl Harbor. I mean, you know, part of that is because the media and the access to news and information was so much more prevalent and available. So we we could see it happening so quick. Mm -hmm. And the world is is so large, but still we're so connected today in a different way. So people knew people, um, and that's a hard question. I mean, as an as a nonprofit leader, I believe that. We don't need to modify it because I do believe that so many people were affected. So many of the, I mean, firefighters from Kentucky went, were in New York City at the World Trade Centers within, you know, 12 hours almost. Right, that's a great um, point. And, and that happened all over the country. So every community feels that connection. Um n- Obviously not in the way that those that ha- lost loved ones do. Um, but, you know, to this day and shortly thereafter, both of my children happen to be in New York, live in New York and in, in the city. And so um, and, you know, they grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, but they feel very connected to New York and 9-11 and to D.C., and I have family, you know, there. So I, I think the world is as big as the world is, we're still very interconnected. So I feel like everybody had a role, different levels, obviously, nothing, nothing replaces for those that have loved ones that they lost. And also those that were right there on the ground that day. I mean, that that is a difficult thing to imagine. But people from every community shared in that and, and tried to contribute. So I, I, I think the lesson should be the same.
0: Let's talk about global game changers for a second. Uh, as we mentioned, you know you have the special les- lessons like the 9/11 lesson. I saw you have a COVID 19 lesson, with, which looks fantastic um, and probably will be even more important as we get further away, hopefully, from COVID 19. Um, right. But but what's the main goal of global game changers? I mean, you you all are trying to almost, I guess, educate young children on how to be leaders and volunteers in the community. Is that? Am I reading that right?
2: That's very correct. That that was a great synopsis. You did well. So for us, um, we provide curriculum um, through an online educator portal that is um, essentially is a curriculum that builds what is termed academically social emotional learning skills, but they're really life skills. Okay. They're confidence and self-esteem and self-value. And we do it through leadership Lessons and using service learning because we believe that those those types of lessons that teach students to be leaders themselves and to use service as a way to give back build all those courses. It makes children more confident. It helps them to communicate effectively. It helps them to um, know how to organize better. It helps them to have self, It builds their self value and their self esteem when they do something well, it's something nice for someone else. So service is a way that younger children can really build strong skills um, that make them better, people eventually and hopefully using our curriculum also helps them make the connection between those skills and again how important they are for when they um, go on to middle school and high school and if they go to college and into the workforce that these are the same skills that an employer which is where my background really comes from is business and um, that it's the same skills that that that, you know, we looked for in our employees that we're trying to make sure that students are nurturing and cultivating at a young age. And parents are doing it at home. Teachers are doing it at school. I mean, hopefully any positive adult influence on a child is helping a child to feel good about themselves. And by doing that, they will do better and prosper and overcome the adversities because everything's not always perfect and everything's not always easy. So what you want them to know is that they can overcome those things and get better. And so that's what our curriculum um, provides teachers tools and resources and um, books and videos and um, all the resources. Um, And all of ours, um, we're very fortunate because we have a funder through the Novak Family Foundation, the David Novak Leadership Program funds us 100 percent. Um, for our online portal to teachers nationwide because they believe in leadership cultivation. And um, so we're very fortunate that a program that normally would be, frankly, quite expensive um, is free to teachers nationwide because of their generosity.
0: That's that's incredible. Yeah. And I'm looking just kind of at some of the sample curriculum and stuff. And I guess if you're an educator, you just go to uh, globalgamechangers.org. And then to get the curriculum, all you really have to do is register, right?
2: You have to register, it's free, but you do have to put your school and your information and then we, you know, get in contact with them. They can have access to the portal right away, but we send them resources, tangible resources for their classroom as well.
0: All right. So give me like uh, an idea, kind of draw me a picture or give me like a sample piece of the curriculum that like a teacher would, you know, demonstrate to the kindergartners or first or second grade class.
2: One of the first things that they'll, they always do is they come into the classroom and they, um, our, our curriculum is built around a, um, a a kid group of superheroes who fly around the world to recruit real life kids to join their alliance to make the world a better place. So those are the global game changers. And within the, the curriculum, there is a character called Crummy. And Crummy is a dark cloud that looms around and his and he represents apathy. And so the idea is that they learn to battle Crummy through service and doing good in the world by igniting good, which is our motto. And so, teachers will um, start the classroom using a, a technique that we use for um, building culture and climate, which is slam. They want to slam crummy. So they always come in and find a way to identify a child as they see super. They see everyone as super. So they'll do. They'll point out a child and something super they've done. They'll look for leaders as part of that's the L in, in slam, and they'll identify that and build a child's confidence or tell them you know something that they can do to to aspire to be in that leadership role. Um, they address apathy affirmatively. So if you have children who don't understand or they're apathetic, which is a lot of what we're trying to get over um, um, for children to overcome so they have more empathy um, for people, um, they address apathy affirmatively and then they make every day a mission. So every day there is in the curriculum there is a new, a small mission where they do um they give them out of the Ignite good jar and it's whether it's open the door for a friend or whether it's say something nice to somebody just to plant the seeds of the basic kindness, um, um, model. But then their lesson, once they get past that, our curriculum is built around a a equation, my talent plus my heart equals my superpower. Mm -hmm. And so students study different causes. We have 12 heart badges. So they might be studying, for instance, um, the um, bullying badge, and they will have a lesson where they talk about where when you go through the lesson, it will give them information about what is bullying, they'll define words, they'll have buzzwords, and why is it bad? And then they'll have an exercise where they role play or they role model um, back and forth so that they can interactively engage and understand. So they're not, it's not a very lecture based. It's a very project based curriculum. Um, And then ultimately they'll do a service project for that badge. So for instance, they'll identify a talent um, that they have. They might like, um, like a very simple one for a young child would be drawing, but they might draw a poster um, to advocate about not bullying. Um, we had a student one time who whose talent was playing basketball and he knew that there was a child who always got bullied in school. And so his superpower equation that he worked on um, for the bullying badge was that he played basketball with the child who got bullied that nobody would play with. And he was like, you know, the, the lead basketball player, and it built the confidence of that other child and made them feel more welcome. And as such, the other children followed that leader's role, that leader's actions and embrace that child as well. So they go through different projects for each one of these badges throughout the year um, until they ultimately put together their own superpower where they choose their talent, they choose their badge, not just the badge they've learned all year round, and they actually put a full superpower equation into action as their end of year project.
0: I love that. I mean, when I went to school, I felt like I did a lot of learning, but I don't know that I ever really had anyone push me towards service. You know, it was kind of like, go do it on your own if you want. And and I love that you guys are are kind of pinning kids down while they're young and, and teaching them that, you know, it's rewarding for both ends, um, to use your talent and put it towards good.
2: We think so. And, and, and those are skills that stay with them through, through, you know, their entire life and their career, not just for service, but for, for their careers and Mm -hmm. their, their jobs. It's something they take into the workforce that become a core part of them.
0: Right. No doubt. Well, again, uh, the website is Global Game Changers. You're listening to Jan Helson, the uh, co-founder and uh, board chair of the uh, organization. Uh, Are you ready for today's pop quiz? Sure. I think so. (laughs) All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be?
2: Oh, wow. Um, Reading.
0: What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching?
2: Project-based learning. More... um, Real-life experiences.
0: What does every child deserve?
2: A good education.
0: What's the biggest challenge for today's educators?
2: Bureaucracy.
0: What's the best gift to give an educator? Support. Which teacher changed your life?
2: Her name was Mrs. Land, and she was a PE teacher. And I wasn't particularly athletic, so she made me feel good about myself, despite the fact that I'm a little uncoordinated.
0: That's good. And the last question, which book have you read, love, and want to recommend to our listeners?
2: So I recently read, um, my most recent book that I have read is Take Charge of You um, by um, David Novak and um, and Jason Goldsmith, and it's a book to... um, about leaders, And I love it because it's about helping everyone understand on a very basic level that they can have leadership skills and be a leader and how to take ownership of their own leadership with that. And we're not talking being the person in charge by being the leader, but to be in charge of what you're doing and who you are.
0: I love it. Yeah, I'm checking that out on Amazon right now. It looks like it's very highly reviewed. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and again, thank you for uh, coming on a Class Dismissed. That website is globalgamechangers.org. Thanks for joining us on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismisspodcast.com or tweet us at dismiss.